Welcome to this episode of the Comedy Defect Podcast. My name is Winter, I'm a comedian, and this is my show. Those that are new to the show, welcome. Those that are old to the show, welcome back, guys. Now, I'm going to make this intro really short, and I think you guys appreciate that, because this show is about me, it's about my guest. But before I get my guest on, I'm going to tell you about what's going to be happening on the 22nd of June at the Fisheries Wharf Cafe. We're going to be having our first comedy night we've had in nearly a year and a half. It's going to be amazing, it's the first night out, we're going to be allowed out, we're going to be allowed to enjoy live comedy. I'm going to be there emceeing, you can have Trevor Locke, he's going to be close. Closing the show. It's going to be an amazing night. We've got amazing acts on. 22nd of June. Tickets are available at the Fisheries Wharf Cafe. And that is on the website. But it's unlocked. Comedy. 22nd of June. It's in Boxmore. It's just across from the Fisheries in the pub and restaurant there. Two minutes walk from the train station in Hemel Hempstead. Just by the canal. It is the Fisheries Wharf Cafe. 22nd of June. You can find us a comedy defect on Instagram. We're there on Twitter at Winter Dominus for both those places. We're on YouTube. We're on iTunes. We're everywhere you find good podcasts. If you like this podcast, you can also donate to us. You go to Patreon, type in the Comedy Defect Podcast, donate as little or as much as you feel this podcast is worth. Or if you can't do a donate or do anything like that, just share your favorite episode or leave a comment on maybe YouTube or Instagram or even iTunes. Leave us a nice, honest review because it tells people where we are and what we're up to. And that's it for the intro about me and what's coming up. This is episode 84 with a very funny guy I met many years ago in Ireland when I started doing comedy. I did about 30 gigs, then I moved away and then came back to comedy. And I think Kieran is a really funny guy. He's an excellent comic. If you ever see him on a bill, you're in for an absolute treat. It is Kieran Lawless. He's won many things, but we'll talk about those in the show. Enjoy this episode. Kieran Lawless, episode 84. Speak to you in a bit. Basically, <laughs> it comes up, you know, it comes up to allow or block use of your microphone. Oh, yeah. But I'm so used to like blocking pop ups and stuff. So when that comes up going like, do you want me to remember your password? I always yeah. click no. Do you want us to block ads? I always click no. So it just I just saw a pop up that was like allow or block. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm just, already in. Yeah. So let's block whatever it wants. Yeah. And then I had to go on to the set because even I was trying to refresh it. That's why you uh, probably yeah. saw that I was signing out and signing yeah. back in. But I actually, it was still, it was just remembering those settings of, well, oh, you blocked the oh. microphone. So I had to go into settings and find where it was like, <laughs> you blocked this website from, it's like, oh, fuck. oh man. Where yeah, you, you, it's your, basically your fault. Okay, that's cool. That's good, man. It is. That's good. Well, I'm glad, well, that's fine. Because I haven't used this, uh, this thing before, this uh, uh, connecting thing, because someone said to me, you should try this because it's really fucking... Uh, um, really easy to use. It's pretty simple, like, to be fair. Uh, and it is. It is. <laughs> I, I tell you what, it definitely is. Because there was a moment as well where you went, oh, fucking technology, technology is shit. And I was thinking, no, humans, humans are shit. Technology yeah. is brilliant it's yeah. amazing in every way that's just it. humans are using it and that's why yeah shit. just yeah everyone just like every time fucking you know you're so you i know what platforms you use now to stream your fucking uh series is oh fucking pop-ups fuck off fuck off fuck off and that's it and then you just yeah okay i'm in now what, what is this not why is this not working oh okay because there was a thing that i need to say yes to for a change rather than saying <laughs> fuck off that's cool yeah. um hey look some people pay <laughs> some people pay for bt sports some people get round pain for Fucking idiots. That's what I say. Fuck it. Just get it cheap, man. Yeah. Be a pirate, man. Be a pirate all the way. Uh, might be redacted later. We'll see. Um, the fucking Kieran. So no, no, I do. I do not approve. Uh, the... If if you've already clicked record, I would like to say that I do not approve of piracy or stealing. Oh, Especially okay. if if I ever reach a stage of my comedy career where I can release things 
I do not approve of piracy. People should pay for what they watch. <laughs> exactly. Especially uh, yeah. young aspiring comedians. Yeah, this, people you know, need to pay for what they watch. Support the arts. That's it. Exactly. Art is a job. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're like ticks until we make some money. Then it's like, ah, oh, yeah, fine, grant. Yeah, pay for, pay for everything. Tickets are then 25 quid rather than a fucking yeah. bucket. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. I'm going to be pulling the ladder up. for a, if, if I get to a stage where I can start pulling the ladder up on people beneath me, and like, I'm actually going to do that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> when I reach, uh, like, you know, those fans who were with me from the beginning, as long as those fans who were with me from the beginning, yeah. you know, afford a hundred pound tickets, yeah. per seat, then uh, mom and dad. <laughs> oh, my mom and dad do not support my comedy. <laughs> uh, but like, uh, for putting the ladder up, like that's right, yeah. This the old Styra, fucking uh, straight up. That's it. Fuck you. You're staying where you are. Uh, that's yeah. cool. So, um, what, what's been happening, man? How the fuck are you coping with this lockdown stuff and like you know this double whammy? You're in Manchester now, isn't it? I'm in Manchester. I'm tier tier three oh, time nice. of recording, uh, <laughs> and for long after time of recording, very much tier three. I'm oh. not too bad. I've like it. It almost sounds horrible to say it because there's a there's almost a community feeling of everybody. Mm. being miserable mm. hating every second of it. and don't get me wrong i would 100 percent wanted to go away tomorrow but relative to so many others i'm working from home i go out for i've taken up running for somebody who's a comedian you know goes out and does gigs i'm more introverted than i act you know when i'm out i'm yeah. quite naturally introverted mm -hmm. so being kind of the thing about lockdown huh. is you can change your view tomorrow i could wake up tomorrow morning unbelievably angry at the world just going i'm sick of this now huh. i need to go bloody outside i need to meet somebody i just want to go to the bloody pub but right now i'm like you know relative to a lot of people it's actually it's not too bad you catch up on netflix that people have been talking about like oh fuck i've seen that now that's great i have time to, to watch that just put lining up everything in a row and then you're now you're moving on to asian stuff well i mean other asian stuff oh now, now we know what you're watching of course akira brilliant 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 uh, animated movie it's brilliant the best uh, sure <laughs> so like what so what are you working from home what are you doing from home Oh, this is just boring job. Oh, what this is that then? Yeah, boring day job. Yeah, this is spreadsheet nonsense. Oh, nice Excel all the way, man. What's your favorite Excel shortcut? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's definitely Control A because I need to be able to highlight everything uh, really quickly. Right, it's like amazing. No matter how big the spreadsheet is, you can just select all. It's incredible. Oh, brilliant! That's fantastic. And delete. And my favorite column is definitely <laughs> uh, my favorite cell is C nineteen. Oh. I just there's always really cool data. You don't know what it is about C19. Yeah, it's right. Amazing. When you hit that that uh, that selection, you just like right. My day's done now. I'm gonna go make myself a cup a cup of coffee. Like, like I'm I'm winning. I'm, I've hit it. I've peaked. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what's <laughs> so hey. what? What's that? What? So you're doing Excel? Are you like what? What? Are you like a accountant or what is it? No, I'm, I'm a, sorry. I'm an accountant. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's very job injury. It's like oh, I thought it. It's like when in a job interview, somebody goes, your biggest weakness, and you go, oh, I think I worked too hard. And you think, oh, I got away with that. And then they go, no, but seriously, what is your biggest weakness, though? I want to know what you're really shit at. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm an account manager. So I'm a customer account manager. So basically, 
we're a company that has businesses that we do consultancy for and i manage our existing customers so if they're angry or if they need a report on something i get that excel out baby and pivot table my life away Basically, you get a, an Excel version of opening up a can of whoop-ass on why the fuck that client is pissed off, right? Is it really just go, well, here's yeah. a pie chart that I've made from Excel and to like how unsatisfied you are. <laughs> and yeah. this is the other pie chart of how much we've destroyed this other person who is responsible for this career. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's it. It's nice. a pie chart of, is it our software, uh, <laughs> our uh, people, or your account manager, me, in the uh, pie chart of why things are shit for you, right? Oh, nice. Well, at least you, well, as I say, at least you can do it from home, man. That's it. Uh, and you're taking up running, right? So for, how old do you know, Kieran? if you don't mind me asking? I mean, you can, give me, you can give me the comedy age and then like that, that's absolutely fine with me. No, I'm 35. 35. 35, but I look, I look yeah. like a solid 32. So you, know, <laughs> you really lowballed that one there. <laughs> people are often surprised yeah. that I'm 35, but yeah. not that surprised. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, I thought you'd be, I thought you were a little younger. I was like, all right. So, but it's the you kind know. of like the jolly kind of like uh, accent as well. It's like and the kind of like you know upbeat sounding thing when you when you're out, but not at home, of course. You know, you, you save that. For- I have a young accent. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Your voice is young. It's nice. So you're uh, 35 now. And like, how's it running on the knees and uh, like basically the physical the fact that, you know, you, you should be dead by now by caveman terms? Absolutely fine. The only thing. Wait a second, Winter. What age are you? I'm not letting you away from the <laughs> I'm a solid, solid, solid 32. Yeah, because I was going, wait a second. This guy's throwing out a lot of shit for somebody who may well be... May well be older than me. <laughs> the joys of the audio podcast, isn't it brilliant? Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, what picture? When you, was that picture taken? Uh, uh, was it last week? Yeah, it was last week. Was you awesome. have an old sounding voice. <laughs> you, you sound like a haggard old man. Fuck you! It's the asthma. I'm, I'm, I'm a, what's it called? A um, an old cripple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just know what the, what they call them these days. The the fucking uh, a a, geriatric. I don't no. know. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> what is it called? The fucking um, high risk. Listen, <laughs> <All right. laughs> I think I still think I'm younger than you because my line of question: if I found out a 55 year old went out running, my first question wouldn't be, "Oh my god, your knees." Look, I've seen this. Not a problem for your uh, Zimmer frame. Look, your Zimmer frame, right, that kind of. I, I've done a lot of these, right? I'm just trying to connect with everyone I talk to, okay? Just, look, you know, don't right. don't drag me through. trying to speak my language. <laughs> by talking about my <laughs> down, down with the kids, like. Okay, now I've added another 10 years onto my fucking age <laughs> that I just said a minute ago. Uh, no, like, I, I, but like, so I'm just saying, like, because I was doing running as well, like, during the, the first lockdown, just, right, I need to get out. And the first time ever in my life, I was like, oh, man, like, I was running up the hill because I live in Hemel Hempstead and I was running up the hill and... Oh Jesus, man! I've never had problems with my knees ever, and like this this year, I was like running, and then, I was, oh God, my, my knees, and even like driving or anything, my knee, my left knee was starting to give me pain, like, and I was like, what's going on? Never been to a chiropractor before, right? Uh, so I went to one anyway, and like I went in, and they got, this guy is from New Orleans, and he's American, and I was like, and ble- bleached blonde hair as well, and with a tan and everything, and I was like, oh no, okay, I've gone into this place, and he's talking to me, and all I can think as he's talking to me is this guy is trying to sell me something I don't need. I mean, and like <laughs> I, I did something for like a, a you know you do sometimes like for an audition you have to walk and they want to see how you walk. I filmed how I walked, and I was like, oh, I, tell, I said to my wife, I said, why don't you tell me I was walking like there's something wrong with me? She said, I just thought that was your walk. 
And so, and so I was dragging my left leg, you know. And this guy was like, uh, so he put you put, put you on, I don't know if you have this, they put you on scales, you know. And they weigh one side, see how balanced you are on either, either leg. And on my left leg, I was 12 kilos heavier than my right leg, you know. To, Shit. I know, right? There's dressing to the left and there's dressing to the left. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. You're just putting it like you... Uh... One of your testicles is bigger than the other's. <laughs> That's what it is like. 12 kg. All right, now I'm giving away my age now. That, yeah, okay, like I'm 54. That's what I am. I'm 54. This is a new revelation. <laughs> so like, has your wife only started noticing that you walk at all in the last like year? Well, I, she, yeah. Surely she's knowing you longer than this problem. The, so, well, yeah, I, I mean. Maybe, I've never maybe. noticed you walk before. I was the one who walked down the aisle. So I never noticed, I never even knew that you could. That's why she'd never seen you walk. <laughs> That's what it is like, you know. But it's like, I guess it's a slow kind of um, anything. You stop doing it gradually. It's a gradual thing, you know. And then like, I was just kind of, I guess, a slight, you know, deviation on the left leg. And then a few months, years later, I'm starting to just drag the left leg. I was like, what's going on? Like, and so I'm thinking shopping channel, this guy trying to sell me something. Anyway. Turns out I've got a fractured third vertebrae in my back. <laughs> Fucking hell. From when I was a kid, like, you know. But yeah, man. So I'm, that's why I was asking you. Because, you know, when you start running, like, and you haven't, like, done it for a long time, you know, all the old stuff that your body's compensated for can just go, oh, by the way, you haven't done this for a while. Look at this. <laughs> look, what I, look what I can't do anymore. No, fortunately, I had nothing like that. The only revelation that came out from my running from my past is that I've let myself become a tub of lard. Basically, <laughs> I've let myself become a fat piece of shit. That has caused a problem in that it's really tiring. <laughs> yeah. I started running with a few people, not actually physically with them, but a few people I work with all joined the same app. So we mm. can all like track each other's runs and all that. Oh, yeah. And yeah, a few of them have been like, oh, you know, I get shin splints and oh. my knees and oh my God, my hips and all. I get none of that. All I get is, is just, oh, my lungs, like, oh God, this is a nightmare. And this, and more than anything, because usually what happens, especially if you start running longer distances, is no matter how far I've ever gone, and I've been trying to ramp up my distance, mm. you still, the first two or three K always feel like a nightmare. Yeah, I always start off and 2K and I'm always like, this is shit. I'm not going to be able to. Oh, God. And then your body just kind of eventually kind of goes, oh, I tried to make him stop, but he, he powered <laughs> through. So now I'll just let him run. And then you kind of just get into a rhythm of outside of it being incredibly boring and me mm. not realizing I let myself go to the yeah. extent that I had. I like I play five aside football and even yeah. like dodgeball and so you think, oh, I play some sports. So mm. going out for a jog will be fine. I can play mm. five-a-side football for an hour and I no. feel fine. So running will be the same. Two minutes into my first run, I thought I was going to die. It's just a different world when you're just out, just running. I hated it. It's so boring. <laughs> it's the most boring. <laughs> People talk about it like it's this meditative state. You'll become one with your own body and thoughts. It's just yeah. like, well, I'm at one with my body in that we both think this is shit. Yeah. My body thinks it's shit. My brain thinks it's shit. I am one. Yeah, is in like one mass now. I don't have a neck anymore or arms. It's just <laughs> I'm one round lump. That's what I am. Nice. Gets very competitive like with the, the what app are you using? Are you using like the Run Keeper app or the Run free one? Is exactly the That's one, the free yeah. one. That's the one, man. I'm the same oh, as yeah. you, man. <laughs> I'm not made of bloody money. 
<laughs> exactly. I'm paying I'm money pay for up. running. I don't even like it, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Listen, if I'm going to have to... Let me tell you, if the, it doesn't matter how small the barrier to entry is. Mm. When you hate running as much as me, like, oh, there's a subscription to this app for a pound a month. Yeah. Well, that's me out then. Yeah, exactly. I guess I'm never going outside again. Oh, so I'm paying someone to hurt me. Okay, great. Thanks. That's lovely. Yeah. yeah oh, fantastic. Uh, okay. but... <laughs> if I'm going to do that, it's going to be in a kinky way. Right? Yeah, ex- like, yeah like... that's right. That's right. The, the end result might be the same, but I mean, this is, I'll have a story. <laughs> Either way, my knees are going to be fucked. Oh, yeah. Where are they? <laughs> I might end up weighing 12kg on one side. So, uh, so I know which was outside is my good side now, at least, anyway. The other side. <laughs> if you're ever getting fitted out for a suit, do you have to tell them? By the oh. way, you haven't uh, measured someone like me before. I, I'm slightly heavier on this side. I mean, you know, about more than average. 12kg <laughs> is a lot, though. Yeah. You're a different human on one side. It, well, the guy did an x-ray and like, because this guy was tanned and like bleached blonde hair from New Orleans with that accent, I thought he was like selling me snake oil, you know? And he put the x-ray on the, the light box and I was like, he showed me the um, all the kind of calcification and everything. He said, look, your back is off by 15 degrees. But I was like, oh, he's probably got that one from a really bad patient. Like, you know, <laughs> not believing anything. He just, I was there, he took the x-ray and all that, you know. Sort of like a Fisher-Price kind of style, you know, just taking out the same, oh, yeah, that's the one there, Sitting next one. Um, but yeah, man, it was uh, off by 15 degrees. Man, honestly, I've been going for the last like uh, maybe seven months or so and I, I feel like a, a, a new person it's, it's brilliant I can walk properly now and everything but well, it's um, true to say that you know it's been a good while since I I met you at that gig up in Manchester mm. your gait didn't seem crazy off like no. you certainly it was sufficiently normal for me not to remember what your walk looked like at all which is how I am with most humans because mm. it just sounds so much I mean if you're your left side wouldn't be allowed to fight your right side in a boxing match. No. They'd be like, the discrepancy's too much. Yeah. One is 12K, like Heavier. more than the other. There's yeah. no, this is not allowed. Your yeah. left-hand side would beat the shit out of your right side. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and it was, and it, and it essentially was like. Do you remember what it was as a kid through this? Up? I know did exactly. You, I know exactly. Did you I, have a fall that you were always remembered all your life? You know, I, I do, man. I, I, jumped off a, I jumped off a pier when I was a kid. And uh, like kind of in a trag in uh, in just outside Skibbereen. I never dived from that height before. I was like, yeah, no, it shouldn't be a problem. I've seen my mates do it. So off I go. Like, so jumped off and then I lost my formation on the way down <laughs> <laughs> and then landed on my chest and the legs went over my back. Uh, like, so chest hit the water like concrete and then the legs just went crunk and I heard a crack at the same time. Couldn't walk properly for about a week. So, Did somebody have to jump in and save you? No, I was fine. I managed, luckily, it was fairly shallow, which was smart enough to do, wasn't it? <laughs> so, fairly oh, well, <laughs> I mean, smart is relative. It's, for, <laughs> it's why there's a, you know, that's why IQ is a, you know, a scale. It's a precious <laughs> thing, yeah. Because I doggy paddled back to the, the side and then got out and I couldn't walk properly, I'd say, for a week and... And, uh, rang and the then mother. your friends laughed for about two and a half. Oh hours. yeah, of course, man. Like, you know, I p- proper face planted the, the sea. Like he said, yeah, because this is this fractures from years ago. I was like, oh man, amazing. Um, I've got a fringe show now. <laughs> 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 so you know, you really are. You were born to be a comedian. <laughs> this is it. Like you know, I mean, I've got I've got two things covered now. I've got like a broken back. And, uh, you know, I'm in my dad's flanking. Yeah, from Cork as well. So it's all mixed. It's all mixed. A lot of mixture stuff going on there now. Are you, are you going to be able to get this chiropractor to come to your show for the last night so he comes out? 
uh, he comes out like cures you, takes your walking stick away on the but, last night of the fridge. No, no, look, you're giving, away, no. you're giving away too much now. I was going to arrive at the gig in a wheelchair and then at the end, you know, this chiropractor is going to come and heal me like Jesus, you know, a bit like that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be great. Oh, the first person to come to your show two nights is gonna be so disappointing. <laughs> True, but uh, yeah, that to keep uh, kind of uh, injuring myself to get. <laughs> They'd the, have the... to be like, wait, he was faking it. The first, he didn't get cured last night. He's back <laughs> in the wheelchair. <laughs> but uh, I've seen a miracle. So, Kieran, like, how long have you been doing comedy? Oh, I hate this question because <laughs> I've gone on and off comedy a few times so like I my first gig was years ago probably about 13 14 years ago uh, but I did a handful and then I kind of stopped and then I moved to Dublin when I first met you mm. and that was my first spell of like properly doing comedy so I was doing comedy for about four years in Dublin and mm. then I thought oh, I'll move to Manchester I'll move to England and try and make a go of it over there yeah I kind of came over and I spent like a few months doing loads and was actually moving up because I had come like started at the bottom, but already had like years of experience, like a complete idiot and amateur that I am rather than come over and just start showing people a CV. I just kind of immediately went, well, I'm in a new country, so I'll start from the bottom. And now <laughs> I see loads of other people who move over going, well, I have four years experience and they go, oh, you must be good then here go to a proper spot yeah. i just arrived going can i please just have five minutes anywhere please i'm <laughs> brand new uh so maybe you wanted to dazzle him as well though isn't it like oh surprise i've got like you know all this experience like coming over no, from ireland you know it's very depressing because especially if you move to england so on a way that we don't have in ireland yeah. there's a lot of gong shows and stuff here and it's really depressing because gong shows are for absolute beginners. So yeah. one of two things would happen is I'd either win, which happened more often than not, which was mm. good. But if I won, I was a dick because I had four years experience and half the other people were doing their third gig, fourth gig, mm. fifth gig. So if I won, I was a dickhead. And if I didn't win, I was a real fucking dickhead because <laughs> I was the person who had four years experience who was losing out to Jimmy third gig over here. Oh, no. So, so like, oh, crap, this is really depressing. But like you, so, you, you came, you were a semi-finalist in uh, So You Think You're Funny, wasn't it? Yeah, I was. So, so like, was, it went pretty well, like. No, that was before I'd moved over. Oh, right. Yeah, that was back when I was living in Dublin. That was about 10 years ago. I was still in Dublin at that stage. So then I got kind of just, it was very different when I moved over. Not even the gigs themselves, but just the kind of geography. Because if you live in Dublin and do comedy, there's mm. so few gigs down the country in Ireland. Yeah. Every gig is yeah. close to you. So like, you know, if I had a gig at eight o'clock in the evening, it usually, or nine o'clock, it usually meant leaving the house and half hour before the gig. You know, whereas here, there was a lot more like driving across the country, you know, oh, I'm based here, but tomorrow I'm driving three hours that way. And, yeah. you know, the day after I'm driving four hours the other way and then two hours. And just because I wasn't used to it, I just didn't didn't embrace it as much or kind of fell out of it after about four or five months. So I went through a long, long spell then of only gigging like when a gigs really fell. Into. I never stopped gigging, but I mm. only gigged when gigs fell into my lap. Yeah. If they were easy to get. So I might do a handful of gigs, but then not gig for two months. And then I might have another handful of gig. And then 
So there was kind of particular people who booked me and booked me regularly. But then I started almost only doing their gigs, which went that off. So only in the last kind of couple of years again, have I decided, let's get out there more. Let's be a comedian. It is ultimate. And it was something that I had stopped enjoying, but then really started enjoying again. Like I was getting more and more into it. I was, you know, doing more new stuff. Because the other thing is when you fall out of it in that way, you stop writing. So it's like if you're only doing a gig every so often and you already have material, then it was just, well, I'll just, oh, I have a gig tonight. I haven't gigged in two months. I'll just go up and do the stuff that I do that I remember. So I was writing way more. I was back into it. In the first two months of 2020, I had done more gigs than I have in a two-month spell in mm. or seven years. And I thought, let me tell you, nothing's going to stop me. Here right. is nothing. <laughs> there is nothing on earth that could get in the way of the momentum that I now have That's it. as I've, a comedian. I'm fucking I, I, ready I, now. I looked, I looked up to the sky <laughs> and I said, God, stop me if you can. <laughs> he's got nothing on me i am it now i'm coming for you i'm coming for you i have have, okay yeah okay best made plan sir that's what it is man Uh, now i'm uh i'm glad to be talking to you winter this is as this is as much human interaction (laughs) this is as good as it gets man so you start what year was it you started 2000 what i must have done my first gig in 2006 do you remember where it was yeah it was in the Bank of Ireland Theatre in the NUIG. Oh, nice. I was a member of the NUIG Comedy Society. Wow. Who were the people who pushed me on to. So, like, I had never, I'd always loved comedy. I used to watch a ton of stand-up oh. and everything I watched as a kid, because I had older siblings. I was the youngest by a good bit. So they were watching all these sitcoms that shouldn't really have been in my age bracket, yeah. but that I watched and I loved, like, from... Like about the age of about seven or eight. I used to watch like the turtles and cartoons and everything, but I've just got loved sitcoms from a really young age. So I'd always loved comedy. So when it came to university and it was like joining societies and stuff, it was like, oh, comedy society. Yeah, right up my street. But without having ever thought, oh, I'm going to be a stand up or I'm going to do. I joined up. I went to the first meeting, got to know a few of the lads from it. A few months later, they were like, we're putting on a show. And we've got you down to do eight minutes. The show is in a month. Write something. I was like, whoa, hang on a second. Eight this minutes. Was, I did not. Yeah, I know. It, I didn't realize at the time. But if I'd known more about how the comedy scene worked, I would have been like, hold on, hold fuck off. Eight minutes, that's way too long. Five is standard. Five. Five bloody toms. So I was just like, no, I'll, I'll do the light and I'll do the doors. I'll do something. And they were like, no, no, no. Everyone's doing a bit. Like all the lads that are in the society, we're all doing a bit. Get on it. We've got a couple of sketches that we're going to do in between. Mm. So you can be in one of those or two of those if you want as well. Mm. But yeah, you're going to do your thing. Mm. And it went all right. It Well, it it went fine. The main thing was the very first joke that I told on stage. Oh, what was it? I'm not it? going to tell now. It's oh, please. Oh, please. I'll go no, on. It's, it's I'll go on. Go and on. it's is aged it? badly. <laughs> it's one of those jokes, is it? Yeah. Is it one of those shock jokes, is it? No, no. Now that I've said it, it sounds worse than it is. But that got a big laugh. That got a really big laugh. Right. And all that mattered was like the first laugh went good. And I thought, yeah. oh, yeah, that I'm in. good. Yeah. I've nailed this it. Was, this felt great. <laughs> uh, but then the thing is, because, again, that was just like a fun one off thing. Uh. Like in my head, it was one off. I will tell the joke, by the way, in a second. Right. But just to finish the like <laughs> kind of circle back to me, not me being kind of really on and off. 
is Galway at the time had two stand-up clubs. So I did that at Jerry Mallon, who ran one of the clubs yeah. in Galway at the time, was like, oh, you were quite good. You can come down and do like an open spot in my gig if you want. So I did that. Then Giles, who was head of the Comedy Society, got me in to do an open spot for the other comedy club that ran hmm. in the Roisin Dove in Galway. Oh, okay. So by then, I had just like, yeah. well, that's it. I've, I've completed it now. Yeah. In the first couple of months, I'd completed all comedy that was in my vicinity. And then did damn all. And occasionally, Giles, who was like a proper, like, wanted to be a comedy writer and a stand-up, occasionally mm. he would set me up with other gigs. Oh, nice. Oh, somebody's running a gig. Do you want to come down and do your, like, the stuff? But in my first, like, two years of comedy, I probably did about nine gigs, maybe. Yeah. Eight, nine gigs. That's why I always kind of cringe when people go, oh, how long have you been doing comedy? Because there's probably is, it's like, God, oh, I'm going to have to say, like, 14 years yeah and then they're gonna look at me going wow <laughs> hasn't worked out then has it and then i have to throw in all these caveats of like no but i wasn't a real comedian because i only was and then i didn't do this and then i didn't gig that time for that year it's like you know you're it's, it's sort of like your heart rate you know you kind of like was it two, 206 minus your age isn't it yeah, uh, exactly. that kind of thing, you know, it's like just, okay, right, I have to, or, or dog years. It's like, just, you know, I know what you're saying, but it's off and on. You gotta, you, you gotta be like, just fully at it, haven't you? Like you, everyone needs a break. Yeah. You just can't, you can't go at it, man. It's well, so mentally it. draining. And the thing is, because people go into it with different attitudes. Like mm. some people go into it straight away with like a, an attitude of they're going to be a comedian. And some mm. people, it's just a thing they're trying. And then it's a matter of geography. If that first gig had been in London, where gigs were available mm. even if they were just terrible open mic nights i might have done my first gig thought that was fun and then immediately done 20 gigs over the next 20 nights yeah. started showing up at other random open spot nights you know asking if i could go on and just start emailing but that was never yeah, but i lived hard, in galway like, and there was you, no other you're from clubs. galway as well well i'm from mayo mayo right. i was in i was in uni at galway yeah, that's what I think I found about like Ireland. You, know, you kind of do those same gigs, like especially when I moved to Dublin. It's like, right, okay, I'm moving to Dublin. I'm from Cork, so it's like there's only like about three gigs in in Cork. Like you had the LV and that burnt down, and then you had uh, Pat, Paddy O'Shea had another gig which was on St Patrick Street, and there was like just one or two. But like once you'd done them, there was no really. Was it, there was just like the was the crack house. Where yeah, was that's the crack right. House? That's right. The crack house in LV. The LV, the LV used to one be. was the crack house. Yeah, that's right. And then Pat O'Shea had a different one. Uh, he had another one on, on St. Patrick Street for a while, and then that was above a pub, and it was a really nice little room. He gave me my first headline spot and the first paid, paid fucking, I was like, oh my God. And I, I draw it was, right? I tell you this. Alan Hurley. Oh, yeah, yeah. Alan Hurley. He was he was there, and uh, he was on before me, and he was like, hey, man, do you mind if you record my set? And this is in the days of DV tapes, like, you know? So I was like, yeah, no problem, man. So I, I set it up and set it to record, and then uh, I say, first headline spot with. Paddy O'Shea and uh, like it went great as well I invited a couple of friends you know which usually is like you know the ceiling of your fate of having a bad gig and it went great anyway so went home after recording Alan Hurley's spot and he did great as well and I watched the, the tape it finishes exactly as they introduced me <laughs> <laughs> I was like god damn it god damn it great it was but great always remember Alan Hurley yeah oh, Alan well. Hurley you fucked up my fucking video you bastard I, yeah. I would, because I remember I first met you uh, in the Neptune Comedy Club. Yeah. It must have been about 10 years ago. I love ago. that gig. I love that, that gig. That was a great gig. Uh, it was a brilliant gig. Did you do a gig in a Russian Dove then after, who was you saying, that got you the other gigs? Guy, you might know Giles Brody. I don't. I don't know that we should be dropping loads of names. Like, he was president. He had actually formed the Comedy Society when right. I was there. So that was the very first year it existed in the NUIG. 
So he got me a, a few different gigs that he was picking up. But yeah, I did the Roaching Dove and I did Cuba Comedy Club, which was right. run by Jerry Mallon at the time. Then eventually a couple of other things kind of cropped up around Galway. Then I moved to Dublin and I did move. When I moved to Dublin, I did move thinking, now that I'm in Dublin, I'm going to start doing comedy. You know, yeah. I'm going to. So it's not like, oh, it was such a pastime that it never even entered my head to like try and do a golf. But when I moved to Dublin, I was thinking, I'm going to start doing loads of gigs. I'm yeah. going to try and do comedy. But then there's limitation because, you know, Dublin doesn't have a huge amount going on either. No. It's limited, like, I mean, it is limited too. like, you know, the, the Neptune was a, was an absolute gift. Like it was just every week, it was brilliant. You know, you could get on. It was really great fun. But like the the, the Roisin Dove, how did you get on? Because I did that gig when I was like, I was 30 gigs in and I was I was going through uh, like a suit jacket phase at the time. I went through that phase. We've all had it. The little, the little, the Bill Hicks phase, right? The Bill Hicks the phase. O- the audience <laughs> will respect me more. <laughs> totally, yeah. Uh, you know, I've got stuff <laughs> going on. I can afford a jacket. Yeah, they won't respect you that much if you're shit, though. No, That's... man, I was terrible. I got up there, walked up there, uh, got the plotted on, uh, didn't get one laugh, and then walked off. Didn't even get a round of applause off, man. I was so bad. Like Carl Spain was emceeing and just was smashed it. Like, and then you had. Uh, Angelo Sarukas was the guy closing the gig and I was just like stayed around and I you get the laughter lounge t-shirt. I don't remember. Do you not get one? Like my, the one I got was like extra large and I was like, okay, man, I'm a medium, like, you know, a uh, best. And, and like, so I was like, uh, I took it as a metaphor. Okay, I'll, 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 I've got a lot of growing to do. <laughs> yeah. This club is too big for you. <laughs> totally, at the moment. Tough one, man. Didn't, you know, one of those gigs, you just like, oh God, I didn't sleep that night, man. I was just like, oh, this is painful. Yeah, my first gig in the Roisin actually went well. Great. It would have been my third gig, but then my first proper debt. Because the thing is, maybe it's just nerves or adrenaline. And I think this is quite common, actually. I hear this a lot from comedians, where your first couple of gigs actually go all right. They actually yeah. go well. And you start to think, oh, I'm maybe I have a bit of a, a talent for this. Mm. Maybe this is a thing that I can do. Maybe I have a bit of a... All right, I'm not going to say I have a gift, but this is so, so many other people talk about how hard it is. And I've I've done great. And then you just begin to think, hi, I'm, I'm all right. And then your fifth gig or your fourth gig, all of a sudden crashing down, like yeah. you have your first death and then you realize, OK, let's uh, let's fucking get back <laughs> into boots that fit me. Like yeah. This is. And so the rush, my very first gig in the rush, which I think was my third gig ever. Nice. I went like Comedy Society. Cuba for Jerry Mallon and then the Roisin Dove. Those three went well. I think I did another gig in between and then my fifth gig was back in the Roisin. Yeah. And I died so spectacularly. Probably oh, no. one of those. In the Roisin? Just nothing. Yeah. Oh, I think it was my first ever proper death. And the thing is, because like there was no experience, I mean, I still find it difficult now. You know, like, even though I've got way more experience, you know, when the first couple of minutes go bad, yeah, it's often very hard to win back an audience. Like yeah. first impressions do matter. You need to be getting laughs early on. So like somebody, I don't know where I'm I'm stealing this from, but I am stealing it from somewhere. That one of the things about when you get up there as a comedian, you tell your first joke and people laugh and they go, ha ha ha, that's funny. And then you tell your second joke and they laugh and they go, ha ha ha, that's funny. And then you tell your third joke and they laugh and they go, ha ha ha, he's funny and mm. when they get to that stage of ha 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 he's funny that's when you have them 
That's yeah. when you can, you know, they're now going along with you. You've built that faith. Yeah. So if you have those first two or three jokes and it gets to the stage of, oh, this guy's not funny. It's really hard to win that back. Totally. But at least now with a bit more experience, if I tell three jokes and it's not going well, <laughs> I can maybe start bantering. I can switch yeah. it up. Maybe there's a group of lads and I'm just going to start chatting with them. Mm. And maybe if I do, because I've done a lot of MCing, so a bit of banter to win them back and then I can segue back into material. Mm. And, I, you know, they already think, oh, this guy's actually quite quick, you know, and it's, yeah. there was nothing else in my arsenal. So, like, the only thing that happens is I was going to tell my jokes while making eye contact. Now yeah. I'm going to tell the rest of my jokes staring at the ground. And that's how the remainder of it. <laughs> and it was a seven minute spot. I remember that I'd been given a seven minute spot, which was, I think how they did it is my memory. But like everywhere now seems to do fives or tens. Yeah. But I remember this is a seven minute spot yeah. and just waiting for the light. Yeah, I totally. And the thing is <laughs> that like in my head and this in my head, you're thinking like, I want to do my time because I don't want to cheat the person who booked me out of the time I said I would do. They're probably at the back of the room going, I wish this guy would get off. Because it's not like you're being yeah. paid or anything. It's not like you're ripping him off mm -hmm. by leaving after four minutes. He'd be yeah. thrilled you left after. But there's just that thing of, no, I have to do my seven minutes. Yes, I have so to I've make this really, as painful as possible. I have to yeah. really just anchor the night in shit right now. Yeah. No. Oh, no. I need to, I need to ensure that... <laughs> I have the worst time, but I need to make sure that the audience also have a bad time. Because I'm going to remember this as being awful. So I want them to sort of remember that the night is bad. So I'm going to just prolong my shit. Yeah, I get it. To the bitter end, right? To the bitter end, man. You saying before, you're watching like comedy with like your siblings and stuff. What was your thing you used to watch? Like the, the main thing, like your like inspiration to, to start comedy? Honestly, from about the age of about eight, I used to just watch loads of sitcoms like i just watched loads of tv in general and it was a case of like you get home from school the den would be on yeah british people watching it listening to this won't have a clue what i'm talking about yeah. so that was where it's like you get home and then you watch the turtles and captain yeah. planet and james yeah. bond jr and whatever the hell yeah. else joe 90 and, <laughs> and then that would turn into kind of by like honestly this is just most of my nights of like yeah. by about half five they had the kind of young person maybe child friendly sitcoms would start appearing which would have been like you know the fresh prince of ballet and sabrina the teenage witch yeah. or stuff like that and then into early evening in a way that people don't even watch tv now so mm -hmm. much sitcoms used to absolutely fill the like the schedules like there was times when like the monday schedule would be like the british empire followed by desmond's Followed yeah. by Bottom, followed by yeah. Game On, followed by Absolutely Fabulous. Yeah. So it's just like, and just watching just anything that was repeat, just watching loads of Only Fools and Horses, loads of Blackadder, loads <laughs> of The Young Ones, sitcoms coming out my ass. Classic it's stuff, like. like. That's, that's so much. Well, the first one I mentioned there was The Britas Empire. <laughs> so I think you'll find that it wasn't. A, I don't know why that was the first one. <laughs> I feel like I was re actively remembering a schedule that used to exist. <laughs> yeah. like, you can think yourself. So like, that I, was, I, I, yeah. If you're wondering why I'm such a great comedian, it's yeah. because I was brought up on a diet of the Brit Empire. 
<laughs> and, <laughs> I used to hate that show, man. That was yeah, the thing. Is that, it was terrible. It was that's the one that that probably just stuck in your head for the same reason that you stuck in those people's heads in Roisin Dove for the seven minutes. You were like, oh god, just get out the way so we can watch something good, isn't it? <laughs> my sister, right? My sister was once on an Irish quiz show oh. that you uh, you might remember. Yeah. Do you remember Blackboard Jungle? Of course I do. Yeah, with yeah. Ray Darcy, yeah. With Ray Darcy. So my sister was on that when she was in transition year. So she was about 15, 16, she was on. And of course it was billed as like, it's university challenge, but for secondary school students in mm. Ireland. So mm. it was like a yeah. high level quiz, but for secondary school students, yeah. that's how they And my sister uh, was on the team and they had a good run. They got to like, I don't know, quarterfinals or semifinals or something. Mm. But she was on it a bunch of times. And one of the times that she was on it, it was at the same time that the Thin Blue Line was on. And I actively argued that we should be watching the Thin Blue Line (laughs) (laughs) on on the grounds that we were were taping Blackboard Jungle anyway. So we can watch it immediately after. But we have to tape that. We're not going to tape the Thin Blue Line. So let's watch the Thin Blue Line and then we can watch Blackboard Jungle. So like my sister's big TV moment of like far into getting really far into this televised quiz show. And I was like, nah, man. I need to watch this. That's it. The, this average at best, <laughs> eight PM in the evening sitcom. This is for my career, mom and dad. This yeah, you don't understand. You don't know it yet, yeah. but this is where I'm going to be inspired <laughs> to be great. Uh, the the sitcoms, man. But like, what about the uh, stand up? What was your What was your like? You know, you can like, oh man, I love that one. I love this comic. This is like what what kind of comic that you would like aspire to be? The first stand up I ever went to, I was about sixteen. And I went to see Tommy Tiernan. Oh, yeah, what was his first live show? The show that became his first DVD was the first live stand-up I went to. And it was insanely good. It was one of those things of when that DVD came out, I bought it and just watched it thinking, he told that better in Castlebar. Honestly, <laughs> the night I seen him in Castlebar, he was way more on form yeah. than he is for this. And of course, looking at maybe that's just because you're in the live environment, so there's yeah. a different energy in a different world. But genuinely, my memory of it is that he was just insanely on form that night. And I didn't really know much about him. I knew who he was. You know, there was other people who were the main impetus of like, let's go and see this. He's great. Let's do it. And I just was tagging along. And I just thought, this is amazing. And I'd watched a lot of stand-up on TV and mm. had already very much liked stand-up that was established but that show was like insanely good what was the name I'm such of that a one? terrible laugher i don't even laugh that much and this is one of the rare like occasions of bundled over in pain i hope there's an interval soon because i need to catch my breath yeah like really good what's the name of that show i think it was just tommy Tiernan live oh right right the dvd and uh okay what about now then i don't know i'm rubbish at this as well yeah I don't have have standout favorite comics really. I went to see a few James A. Caster shows uh-huh. recently, yeah. and he, I think, is great. He's really brilliant. You know, he just popped into my head there, and he has like four shows up on Netflix. Yeah, I've seen the, the repartee, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I just think they're really good. I don't have a standout. I saw Dylan Moran uh, in 2018 in the Edinburgh Fringe and man, he was like, I watched loads of shows that year and he was hands down the best show I saw that year. It's brilliant. 
just the writing brilliant amazing yeah I saw Jim Owen at, oh brilliant uh, playing uh, a few years ago oh. must have been about oh it's a good few years ago now this is one of those things because I'm you see because I'm old and my knees are giving out time gets <laughs> distorted so I was thinking oh it was just the other year it was like six years ago or something now but it was just one of those and I'd watched a lot of Jim Owen and mm. I always thought he was good yeah I just watched the show and it was just like oh this again because sometimes I'll, you know I watch a lot of stand-up and sometimes you see people who fluctuate like and then you just see them when they're on form and it's like when they've fully got the crowd in the palm of their hand and then you go right I'm not going to say this guy is my favourite comedian now but watching this show and watching him on form yeah this is a bit special this is really good and like I mean, I, he's got so much time. Like when I saw him, I go, when I go do the fringe, I go and watch him every every year. Up there, he's just got like just the time because I mean he's built up his audience and everything. But it's not like okay, I need to get to this next bit now. It's just like ah uh, yeah, here we are. <laughs> you know, it's just it's so like in a way it's just you know nonchalant about it. Like just like ah well you know it, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Just the um. Just he's, he looks nearly bored with what he's about to say, like which is oh, it's wonderful. But then he can turn it up. He's like a comedy elf. I think this is actually a bit true of Acaster as well, mm-hmm. where sometimes, you know, he's very much got his own style. But there's there's moments in his shows where sometimes he's doing just very observational comedy. So it's it's sometimes it's just like this is an observational piece of comedy that almost any observational comic could have made in terms of the observation. But they've got a unique spin of it. You know, I could yeah. watch 10 comedians make this observation and they would all do it in a similar way because this is what the observation is. But just sometimes they're just making, it's actually a very straightforward piece of observational comedy. Yeah. But they've genuinely got their own voice behind it. That's Nobody it. else would have pinpointed it in this way because they've got a, a true specific comic voice. That not everyone has. Everyone would deal with it sort of in their own way, but yours is really distinct and really. Yeah. It's just it's just basically special. packaged differently, isn't it? Really, you're like yeah. oh, you package it like that, or like you know you've got weird hair, or you know you're wearing some odd clothes, but like or you're kind of like you know. Lots or in of your up. suit jacket, you're in yeah. the bloody suit jacket. <laughs> That's you're, the, a, you're the cock of the walk. That is a cla- classic trope, though, isn't it? Really, oh, Bill Hicks face. <laughs> 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 oh, it's classic, man. I love it. You've been to the Fringe loads of times, haven't you? I've been several times, but like I went up with a compilation show. Mm. Then I went up with just a, a two header. Last year, I just went up for about five days, but just jumping on loads of shows. Yeah. A couple of years before that, again, I went up for a few days. So I've been up and being around, but I've never brought the Kieran Lawless one man show. Right. Never brought that. Is that in the pipeline or? See, it, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's happening with Edinburgh in 2021, yeah. uh, but a big part of the recent kind of, I'm going to start doing comedy again, I'm yeah. going to get back into it. A big part of that was going to be, if I do decide in five years time or four years time or whatever, mm. that comedy's actually done, I've went over and back, I've I've done it, then I've stopped, then I've done it again. Mm. You know, I've been on and off, now I'm just going to, that's it. One of the things that, definitely has to be on the list has to be done before I ever give it up and do a a proper Edinburgh show for better or for worse just even if it's just to know what a nightmare it can be I need to have done that that thing I haven't got my 
blue Peter comedy badge until I've done the the one month, you know? Yeah, you're you're basically your your sadness badge is what you haven't got yet. Yeah, um exactly. to, you know, you need to be crushed fully, um, you know, into the into the Edinburgh mall. Um I haven't done enough shows to know people looking sad. Yeah. Even though it's hard for no people to look sad. But I want somehow to have to do the show to know humans but still have an audience of sadness. That's what I saw. I was at the Fringe a couple of years ago and I saw I saw Rory walking down, um, is it uh, South Princess Street, right? And I was like, I was like, how's it going, Rory? Rory O'Hanlon. And I was like, uh, uh, you know, he was like just in such a bad mood, man. He was, I, was, I was like, all right, just gave, just a little bit of a nod. I was like, all right, man, okay, take it easy. Anyway, uh, two weeks later, he saw me and he was in a good mood and I was in such a shit mood. Like, it was just like one of those mental high fives is going to go, oh, it's your turn today. <laughs> that was so funny, man. The, pr- the problem is everyone just, because every conversation is the same set of questions. Yeah. But those questions for certain people at certain times is just unbelievably demoralizing. Yeah. Because because it's all about like how your show is going. Yeah. So you can start chatting about audience numbers, oh, no. and if you're if you're really ballsy in your conversation, start talking about reviews. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but there's always the risk the other person's going to be like, yeah, I had one person in last night, and that one person was a reviewer, and that one yeah. person called me a dickhead and said I was shit. And it's one, it. So it's just like, oh, we're all having the same conversation, but it's actually a very risky conversation. That's it. Right. It's basically top trumps, isn't it, really? But you're playing for your self-esteem. Well, it can start going the other way because it's either going to well that you're going, oh, my God, I've I've like completely packed out uh, 10 nights in a row. And of the nine shows I've left, seven of them are already sold out. Really? Because of the nine shows I've left, eight of them are already sold out. Or then you start going the other way. You start going bottom trumps where people are like, oh, last night I had four people in. <laughs> four people. That's great. I'd have been bloody lucky. Last night I had two people in, and one of them was my mother, and my mother hates me. I hate. <laughs> so like, you start, you either go top trumps or bottom trumps. Kieran, you've won. I'm saying, I'm looking at your CV now. Like you've got won loads of awards. Bulmer's comedy no. competition oh, winner. Oh God, no, 2007. I've won that. <laughs> won. That's one. Yeah, right. but that was that. That was. Did you win that joint with somebody? No. No, which is no. on your own. No, uh, that was it. That no. was a. That wasn't there. Don't, sort of... don't, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I won that very much on my own merit. <laughs> Congratulations. I'll tell, about, I'll tell you one thing about that win. Yeah. Is, uh, I actually got knocked out in the semi-final. Oh. So, uh, yeah. I got, got in by card. default. I won it. Nice. So, whoever booked Chris Kent on a, a better gig that night. Yeah. So that he cut me, he cut me out showing up to the final. Thank you. <laughs> but he won it, didn't he, as well? Did he win it? Oh, he did win it, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. And... Uh, wasn't Chris Kent. No. Well, oh, he won it. He won another year, maybe. Up. Was it? Because it was only one year, he wasn't it? He did win it another. He did win it. He won it the next year, I think. Ah. Who was it pulled out? I have this in my head that it was him. And yeah. then the person who was a judge in the semi-final that I didn't get through, because people, people love spoiling my moments. <laughs> they come up to me after the show and said, "Yeah, I didn't think you should have won." Oh, <laughs> just like, you've already knocked me out once. Yeah. Stop trying to knock me out when you're not the judge. Any bit of confidence yeah. you had, just just putting I that mean, out she, there. No, Any she ember. did say it in a nice because she started going, "Oh, congratulations!" Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have picked you, but you know, it's good that the people who like you do like you. And she's like, "Oh well, it's a nice timely reminder that even though I won something, there's definitely <laughs> still people who don't like me." 
That's that's yeah. what you need to be remembered yeah. in your moment of happiness. Very Irish thing as well, though, isn't it? I mean, even but in fairness, in, even in this country as well, you know, when someone gives you a compliment, you know, you go, oh, you did did well there, and then and then they realise that they've given you a compliment, and then they feel lesser than you because they have just given you some joy, and then they try to take it back by saying something weird. Do you ever that? Yeah, that's an odd thing as well, isn't it? I tell you what, it was Sharon Mannion, I think. I think she pulled out. I think that's why. Um, yeah, she couldn't be in it. So I got in it and then I ended up winning. She wasn't the person who said, you shouldn't have won. I mean, she probably thought that. She was probably thinking, well, if I'd been in there, you wouldn't have won, you idiots. So you got the Bulmer's Comedy Competition winner 2007, Angelic Banana Smackdown oh, uh, Comedy winner 2008. God, are you on my comedy season? I am, yeah. <laughs> What's good? All right, this is, so what's happened here? I'm going to start happy, having a look at your reviews now as well. We're going to talk, discuss all this now. It's going to be great. Uh, the thing is, <laughs> what must have been happening here was me thinking, well, nobody needs to know what non-competitions these are. So particularly, the Bulmers one was actually all right. Yeah. That's a good nice, one. Yeah. That's a, that, that was something that I'm still very proud of. That oh, was yeah. a very respectable, good newcomer one. The Angelic Banana it's a big sack of nonsense. <laughs> I love the names as well. Like, oh, brilliant! Yeah, it was it was a bit of a trend that took off in, yeah. in Ireland Irish comedy scene for about six months, where they'd have like thirty two comedians or maybe sixteen, and everyone was paired one on one, and you'd have to do like two minutes each in the first round. One person would be voted through, so then it'd be like the quarterfinals. Everyone would have three minutes each, but yeah. it would all be one on one. So each would do three minutes. You'd have a clap off. There'd be a semi-final, four minutes, one-on-one, clap off until you got down to the final two. And I think the day I won it, there was about five people in the audience. Oh. But <laughs> you won. they made enough noise for me. A win's a win, man. That's it. A win's a win. um, and you oh, got like God. Ted Fest. Ted Fest uh, Festival 2007. What, what, what's yeah, this? that was the Father Ted Festival. Oh, nice. So it was on like one of the Aran Islands. Oh, yeah. You know, wherever it was that, you know, Father Ted was meant to be yeah, or yeah. pretended to be based. And so they just had a big festival of all things kind of Father Ted-ish. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, they just did like one round in, in Galway. So they had a handful of like round one and then I think one person from each got chosen. And there was four people in the final. I was only a finalist. I didn't win it. That was really brought home by the fact that I died unbelievably spectacularly in the final. <laughs> um, no, what happened was... Oh, no. What happened was, it was one of those things, because I'm not going to say that it was big, but mm. like, this was a, a Father Ted festival. Yeah. So people had come just for the festival. But because it's like a small island of like, oh, look, one of the small islands, this is where Ted is, and we're going to do loads of Father Ted based stuff. People come out for the weekend. Mm. So, but there's only like, there was only one pub or two pubs. So we were in the hotel we were staying in, they put on the final of this comedy competition. Right. All the tourists who had come out were all in the pub as well. Yeah. So, but they were just in the bar. None of them were there. For, mm. They didn't know the final was taking place. Mm. So it's one of those classically awful. It was absolutely packed. The pub was packed, but yeah. nobody was there to watch the comedy. Oh. And this was won by Sharon Mannion, who oh. had pulled out of the other one. She won mm. it. But the main reason she won it, and she was great. Like, I'm not saying like, you know, she won it because she was great. But the main thing that she had more than anyone else was just... She got up there and absolutely plowed through. Like, yeah. you could have not distinguished 
her doing an audience with people absolutely pissing themselves off in or the fact that she was doing a gig where everyone was ignoring her. She didn't bat an eyelid. Okay. She got up and did all her material as she would have done it had they been laughing insanely. Whereas I absolutely, again, because this would have probably been, this was somewhere, because this came before the Bulmers comedy competition, mm. which happened right after I moved to Dublin. This would have been within that kind of first 10 gigs. So even on the other debts that I had, I never had a gig. This was my first ever, nobody's even listening. Yeah, It's one thing for them to stare and not like me. What do I do when they're all chatting amongst themselves? As far as I was concerned, they were interrupting all the gags because there was just gags that were being abandoned because, oh, that's interrupted now, so I can't do it. Oh, what's going on? And, and then I really fucked up because there was one stage, because a few people were being nice. Again, this was a packed out pub. I'm not going to turn this into a therapy session, <laughs> but uh, it was absolutely wedged. And a few people, just out of basic politeness, people being nice, did start watching the comedy, did start watching the stand-up. So there was loads of talking going on, but a bunch of people were like, yeah, we're going to watch and we're going to engage. And yeah, you guys go for it. But what happened was I said something, or, oh God, I think I made some reference to the fact that nobody was listening. Yeah. And a few people started shushing the people who were talking, which of course was supportive on our side. Yeah. But I kind of, I think I said some reference of like, oh God, the people who are shushing are throwing me off more than the people who are talking. <laughs> And actually, what ended up happening was the people who were shushing who were actually on my side. Oh, no. Well, fuck you, dickhead. Oh, no. What, That's what, it. What, you think we're going to stand up for you now when you've yeah. just been like, oh, the people standing up for me are worse. That's like, well, fuck, you're on your own. Oh, that's terrible. It's awful. Uh, so the last one is well, the, the a moose, moose finalist in 2008. Wow. There you go, man. That's yeah, it. Tell about that. God, I forgot about it. Um... My memory of that is that it was unspectacular. <laughs> um, it was fine. I did a semi-final. I got through. There was a lot of acts on. So I did all right, but I was never. And I had this, but I was in the semi-final of So You Think You're Funny as well. I knew I definitely wasn't in the running to go through. Mm. So you start thinking, my only hope here is if the judges make a terrible mistake. <laughs> you know, I'm banking on the judges announcing me as the winner and the yeah. whole crowd going, well, the judges were wrong. What the hell? What's going on? Yeah. And I've been to those competitions where the judges just have a totally different idea mm. of what's good than the audience. Yeah. And the audience are just like, why the hell does that person go there? Yeah, so that's, that's what it. I'm banking on now. Yeah, yeah. I'm banking on the judges <laughs> being wrong. And you've, you've got TV credits in, in Ireland, man. That's not a, a, a small feat at all. Like, you've got no, like... No, again, there's got to be two on this, isn't there? There are, man. you got go on, yeah. you can name them. Uh, well, one was just the Comedy Awards, isn't it? Stand-up yeah. Comedy Awards? Irish New Comedy Awards in RT. Yeah, but that was just an open mic competition that they televised. But it was good because it was professional. It's still a video that go. I sent to people because man. it's, you know, it's still a TV thing and it's shot professionally. Yeah, damn right, man. The thing about that was it went all right and everything. I enjoyed it. But I don't know if it was just everyone in the crowd was friends with comedians. I think nearly everyone had been brought by somebody. They were all groups of people. Mm. Who just Because of that, they were crazy supportive. And mm. crazy supportive is, of course, good. But what it meant was that, like, they were giving rounds of applause for jokes that would never, ever normally get a round of applause. <laughs> so, and it's not because I was smashing it. It was the whole audience had decided, like, well, we're going to make this look good for yeah, the, the television viewers at home. 
And it was just every joke was hitting this oh, mad this... round of applause. I don't. Even, I can't even remember if they laughed. Yeah. But I remember that they clapped. It's Great. like this is yeah. lovely, but also not realistic. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it in the realm of reality, guys. Come on. Nobody yeah. has ever clapped at that joke. <laughs> so if, if no anything, way. <laughs> it's a bit like the old the, the one when you're doing it for Ted Fest. You're like, if anything, this is like the time at Ted Fest when people are shushing me. It's putting me off. I'm not yeah. getting into a rhythm right now. Can you stop <laughs> being so supportive? Yeah. All right, listen. There's a, yeah, there, I think there was a moment in my head where the Ted Fest flashed to my because I always have had a lot of going. Listen, guys, you're kidding fucking nobody with this round of applause <laughs> after every joke. No, Come on now. I know, I know my level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it <laughs> and the other thing was random oh it was a thing shot in a hotel in Westport oh I can't even remember what the thing was I didn't watch it because it, the, the yeah, takeover wasn't it the takeover the takeover yeah so they were so this crowd of people were just taking over running a hotel for like a few days so that was it they had different people taking over different businesses and trying to run them and seeing if they could improve them so one of the things was that they took over this like feel like it was in a hotel bar in Westport. And just because I was a local comedian, they yeah. brought me down. But they also had a handful of people. So they had like two or three people who did comedy who were from nearby-ish. I only got this last minute, by the way, because somebody else pulled out. In them. Uh, so they put on a comedy show, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't very good mm. because they didn't have a big crowd. And mm. so it was quite an average comedy night that just appeared in the like show as we're putting on a stand-up show because this is the kind of thing that we're going to innovate to bring people to the pub that we're running through. Yeah. And then they just showed like short clips of us. And I suppose that, you know, it came out looking all right, but I was mm. only in it for like 90 seconds and two jokes. But again, if you're updating your comedy CV, it still counts. Damn I mean, right it does, man. Damn right. It all counts, man. I mean, if the fucking angelic banana counts, then you can bet, <laughs> fucking, you can bet your heavy ball that, you know, <laughs> Uh, the takeover definitely fucking counts that's good man well, hey, now I want to ask you this what was the joke that you first told the first gig that first joke you told oh god I've done this so this became my first joke fucking ages oh it, it's not going to be good over there's some acting in this <laughs> oh, no. there's, I want I want I want to say that you know anyone listening to this to this uh, in just audio alone it's but it was um I almost wasn't ready to come on because mm. I had to run to the toilet right before uh, right before the MC said my name. And I almost didn't make it back in time because I was too busy reading all the toilet graffiti. Because that's what I do whenever I'm in a public toilet. I just read all the toilet graffiti on the wall. And the one that always gets me, the ones that I'm always just like, just I just read over and over again is always those ones of like, be here tomorrow for some big cock, you know. <laughs> be here Thursday, two o'clock, and I'll suck your day. And I mean, every time I listen, like it's always just so ridiculous. I mean, they never turn up, you know. <laughs> and that's it. It's better in visual yeah. form. Yeah, that's good. I know you say that's great. That's great. That's good, man. First joke you you wrote, is it? It was the first joke I ever wrote. There you go. That's it good, was the man. First joke I ever performed. That's great, man. Because I put no thought into the orders of the jokes <laughs> that I performed. <laughs> Very much performed in order of written. Brilliant, nice one. Uh, well, so what's the the plan in the next? Like, if you, if anything, the tier three gets released and or gets lowered down to Defcon Blue. Do you know the the plan is just to just to get back out there and get you know a bit of momentum behind yeah. me again. Like, there's no mm. more. 
because I don't really know what the reopened world's going to look like. I mean, I'd like mm. to believe that things will reopen and because people will be so, you know, have such massive cabin fever that yeah. everyone won't be able to wait. Everyone will just be so desperate to get out there and yeah. get back that, you know, live shows will be better attended than ever before because everyone will be setting up gigs and there'll yeah. be a huge demand for people, just for all the art, you know, just people just who are in their homes now thinking as soon as this is lifted, I'm getting out there. I'm going out more. I haven't I've been in for the last year and that meant I have a bit more disposable income because I haven't been able to get out and spend and live. So I've saved up a bit and now I'm just going to, you know, I, that's kind of uh, optimistic. Probably won't happen. But with a bit of luck, there'll be a real craving for some live comedy. And I hope to just get on that, get on that train. I hope to stand in front of people shushing. <laughs> <laughs> tell them to stop even though they're trying to be nice for your show that you're, you're like planning to put together for like any festivals or stuff like this do you have a name have you have like I mean I always think of like before I write a show I'm like okay I've had a few names picked out do you have one that you're like oh man this is this no, is going to be the name of the show uh, no I don't no I wish I did this is another thing because people tell me all the time yeah or like I've had it a bunch of times like when people first meet me and say oh where who are you? oh I'm Kieran Lawless and they go, oh, you must have some jokes about your name. Like, no, not one. I just, it's so just my name that I can't see it as anything other than yeah. just my name. Yeah. I'm sure some people would just look at the name and just see puns. Yeah. Puns everywhere. Yeah. I just think that's just my name. Yeah. Fair play. The, yeah. I respect that more. I respect also, that more. I think, I think I want to as well. I don't have one in mind. I really don't. But I did the one one hour show that I, I did do, uh, which I did for the 10 Days in Dublin Festival a few years ago. So this was the only kind of single one hour show that I ever did. And that had like a, a theme. It was called How to Boast. Everyone does that now of like shows called yeah. How To. And yeah. But this was a few years ago. So that trope hadn't been so ingrained at that stage. But it was called How to Boast by yeah. the world's most handsome, funny, sexy yeah. comedian or something like that. Yeah. And I think whatever I do, I want to have a theme, but that theme isn't decided and will mm. ultimately dictate the name. It's not just going to be Kieran Lawless does funny. It's going to be Kieran Lawless with a thing. Yeah. This is a thing. And there'll be all kinds of other jokes segued in that go off yeah. topic and Great. all that, all the rest. But I wanted to have something connected and enough that it's got a kind of start, middle and end, some mm. kind of narrative or something connecting it all. Because ultimately, I think those are better shows. I think they're better as shows because sometimes you watch, I watch comedians who are great. But if I go to see their hour in Edinburgh or whatever, I usually think, well, because this is just a set that maybe you've segued in a theme, but really it's just your set. I'm usually kind of content after half an hour yeah. Like, oh, 20 minutes would have been enough. You're great. I think you're brilliant. I think you're a super funny comic. But 20 minutes to half an hour would have been loads. By the time you're in your the 55 minute mark. Yeah. I'm very much ready to leave. And I, the way to keep my attention as an audience member is to have that kind of beginning, middle end, some kind of thread that engages you throughout. So ultimately, when the show is written, that's what I would dream of it being. And that will, of course, inform the name. But 
No, there is no theme and there is no name. Live and lawless. People uh, suggest lawless all the time. LOL less. But to me, that very much reeks of so not funny. No, no laughs. laughs. Laugh out loud. Yes. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just call it not funny, but trying. OK, two other questions before we go. Right. As a comedian, what do you kind of see yourself as? Uh, say if you see yourself as a certain job. As, as a comedian you know like not a plumber I mean it could be a plumber I don't mind but whatever you know do you know what I mean like you know you go Gee, I just go to work like and this is the kind of job that I would see myself as in that comedian role this is a hard oh. question I know this is a hard question mm. I know but just like if you do the, have something ah see what makes it difficult is in my head I'm thinking is this question what I am or what I aspire to be uh, what, because... what you feel you are you know when you go up there because what know. I feel I am am is do you know what I feel I am? I feel I am what I am in real life which is like a customer accounts manager in the <laughs> a big part of my job because yeah. I do a lot of MC and yeah. a lot of even my normal sets often involve kind of little bits of banter I'll often yeah. use banter to set up gags or yeah. and because of that so much of what I am as a comic is just friendly funny guy and so if I think of that as a kind of job, it's usually what job is like helpful guy. What job is just like your job is to help out people who are, you know, struggling. Some kind of help desk operator. You know, <laughs> I was going like, to say carer, but like I know yeah, you're saying you're like you're yeah, inside, just like yeah. your job is to answer the phone, be super okay. friendly and upbeat yeah. and help the person if they've got a problem. So you're like, and you're I think that's kind of what it is. You're fucking like, IT, aren't you? You're fucking IT yeah. support is what you are. That's, uh, yeah. that's, yeah. Have you tried uh, Have you tried turning your laughs off and on again? <laughs> that's great. OK, yeah. cool. Cool. You're helpful. And uh, like, who doesn't need technology fixing yeah. it these days, right? That's it. And the thing is, a lot of that <laughs> is like, and I did, this is not a deliberate thing. This right. is what I, I'm almost in my stand up, a slight stereotype of the jolly, upbeat Irish yeah. guy. Hey, hey, look at him. He's, he's so, he's so smiley and giddy up there. Yeah, yeah. But again, okay. that's not necessarily aspirational. That is just kind of me being you. the Irish stereotype that I am in real life. You got a load of really good, clever answers to that. Like really, really just like eye opening. Oh, my God, I can totally see exactly what you mean by that. And that does encapsulate your character so well of <laughs> what you're trying to be, how you view yourself versus how the audience view. And that is so on point. And I'm like, I kind of think I'm on an IT help desk. <laughs> No, that's great. I think you are what you want to be. That's great, man. You, you... answer ever. That's great. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. No, it's brilliant. What? I think it's brilliant. It's just you, man. It's you. You're just honest, man. It's honest. You're honest with oh. you. Your, your persona is honest and you're likable and that's what you are on stage, man. It's great. You know? So where can we find you, Kieran? Uh, you can find me in my apartment in Manchester for the foreseeable future. Uh, I am on Twitter as Lawless Comedy. But I barely tweet. But that's another thing that I'm going to start. Instagram is Lawless Comedy. It's usually Lawless Comedy is, which is the closest I've come to using my name in something. Because Lawless Comedy yeah. does make me sound like I'm a cool badass comedian yeah. rather than what I actually am, which is my name, comedy. Um, <laughs> Great, man. Yeah. So Twitter, Lawless Comedy. Instagram, Lawless Comedy. My YouTube, which full on doesn't have anything on it right now, but will do, uh, is also Lawless Comedy. So keep checking out all this comedy and stuff will appear. All right, man. And you'll be at the Fringe soon. Yeah, I think genuinely the aspiration at this stage is Fringe 2022. Yeah. 
for the run. I'll probably, assuming there is a fringe next year in 21, I'll almost certainly be around for a few days. You know, I'll go up again for a week. I'll get on other shows. I'll do the rounds. You will see me somewhere. Follow me on Twitter to see me. But yeah, Fringe 22 for the full show. The full, the, the big show. Nice one. Oh, well, Kieran Lawless, thank you for coming on The Comedy Defect, man. I appreciate it, man. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. And if you need any help with your IT, uh, just <laughs> let me know. Um, uh, it's what I was born to do. <laughs> In your soul, you are an IT support technician. I like that. Do you, have you ever, do you remember the first ever episode of Futurama where they inject like the person's career into the system? Like, yeah. No, you're a, you're a delivery. Boy. Yeah. This is what you are. You know, everyone gets assigned a job. That's it. Yeah. You should have been at, on the IT help desk. That's great, man. Brilliant. Uh, well, cheers for your time, man. It was really fun. No worries. Winter. Cheers. And that was episode 84 with the very funny Kieran Lawless. And if you want to come and see him live, he's performing on the 22nd of June at the Fisheries Wharf Cafe for Comedy Unlocked, the first gig back after the lockdown. So he is going to be opening the show. Kieran Lawless, come check him out. Hemel Hempstead, Fisheries Wharf Cafe, Comedy Unlocked on the 22nd of June. Now, you can find this podcast on Twitter. We're there at Winter Dominus. We're on Instagram at Winter Dominus. We're on YouTube, The Comedy Defect. We're also on Facebook. You can go like the page there. If you like this podcast enough and you want to support us, you can go to Patreon, type in The Comedy Defect Podcast, donate as much or as little as you can afford. And if you can't afford it, don't worry. Just share your favorite episode or go to iTunes or YouTube, leave a comment or a nice, honest review because it tells people where we are and what we're up to. So that was Kieran Lawless. You can see him on the 22nd of June at the Fisheries Wharf Cafe for Comedy Unlocked. And he is going to be opening the show. The headliner for that show is Trevor Locke, who will be appearing on this podcast very soon. So that's it for this month. Next month, we've got a guy which I've shared many a car journey with. He's an absolutely gem of a fella, very funny comic, and he's played in some weird and wonderful places. It is Matt Price. That is for episode 85, end of April with Matt Price. Until then, enjoy the rest of March. April is coming. The days are longer now. Serotonin is on its way. <laughs>